Dr. Bill here with the exciting Meet the Mentor. Wait till you meet this guy. Hey, for those of you who don't know about LEAP, watch this. What's LEAP? LEAP is an entrepreneurship program for high school and college students aged 15 to 25 that we have taught at UCLA for the last 16 years. What do we teach? We teach students skills to be successful in life. And the coolest thing about LEAP is that I've asked so many of my celebrity patients and business leaders to come and help, and they do. We've had Mark Wahlberg, Paula Abdul, Michael Strahan, Kathy Bates, Anthony Hopkins, Apollo Ono, Eric Garcetti, Jason Alexander. I mean, I could go on and on and on. And these people come and share the secrets of their success with our LEAP students. Typically, we get about 500 to 550 students every summer, and we literally pack them with so much information. It's like drinking from a fire hose. And one of the parts that the students love most is when we bring in these mentors. So we started this Meet the Mentor series because we didn't want this to just be a one-and-done week. We wanted to do it throughout the year and continue to give these students great information from great mentors to teach them how to do businesses in every field you could ever imagine. So I'm super excited to introduce you to our next mentor. This is a man I've been friends with for how many years, Alan? Oh my God, like 15 years. 15 years. Were you even born? Oh yeah. <laughs> We met in the funniest way, which we'll talk about in a second, but let me tell you about Alan Murphy. By the way, he's not from Ireland. It's a fake accent. So, <laughs> Alan Murphy has done it all in the world of showbiz. Let's go. From a tiny town in Ireland, he went on to become a well-known radio host and showbiz journalist. He had his own popular radio show for 18 years, and was a National Magazine showbiz editor for over a decade. He's interviewed the who's who in the celebrity world, both here and in the UK, and has released a best-selling book called Beyond the Spotlight. He's also written for publications all over the world. Last year, before turning 40, so old, Alan. <laughs> You're almost my age. He decided to make some big changes in his life and move on from the showbiz world and now teaches media, podcasting, and journalism to students in college. Mentoring the next generation has been the most fulfilling part of his career and how he sees himself spending the rest of his life's work. And once you bang, and once you bang, he also owns an incredibly successful Irish dancing school and has recently judged the World Irish Dancing Championship in Montreal, Canada. That's a tongue tie. <laughs> it's with great pleasure that I introduce you to my friend, Alan Murphy. Thanks for coming, Alan. Bill, that was some introduction. That was going on forever. It's like I wrote that myself. I know, but wait. First, you have to tell people how we met because it was the craziest thing, right? This is the craziest story ever, how we met. First of all, it's really weird to be the one being interviewed. I've been interviewing people since I was like 20 years old, and now to be double that age and being interviewed is really, really strange. So we met through 
A um, very good friend of yours at the time, Janice Dickinson, world's first supermodel. I think she was on more Vogue covers than anyone in the history of Yeah, she Vogue just doesn't magazine. remember it. <laughs> but you're right, it's true. So I was over in LA, right, for about three months at the time. I was interviewing people for all these different magazines I was working for at the time. And I was really, really, really wanting to secure an interview with Janice Dickinson. So after a million emails to a million publicists and all this different kind of stuff I had to go through and jump through, I secured an interview with Janice, right? She was just fired, actually, just before this interview, had just been fired by Tyra Banks from America's Next Top Model, where she was probably the meanest judge ever. I always think she made, like, Simon Cowell seem like a little puppy dog, like yeah. Janice was so mean on America's Next Top Model. So I was quite vain at the time. I really wanted to look my best meeting Janice. The day before the interview, right, I woke up and I had like this golf ball sized lump on the side of my face. So I was traumatized about this interview the next day. Plus I was in LA, I had no doctor out here. I didn't know what I was doing. This is years ago now. I was very young, a bit stupid at the time. Probably some will say still stupid now at 40. <laughs> but anyway, so I arrived at the interview can I use bad language on this podcast? No. Okay, I don't usually <laughs> use bad language anyway, but just it's Janice Dickinson, so I just need to go do a little quote, but we can beep it out or something. Okay. So I arrived to the interview. It was at Equinox Gym right in West right. Hollywood. Right, right. Okay, I arrived to this interview with Janice Dickinson. It was for a lot of magazines at the time. She comes in. I'm like, hey, Janice, I'm Alan. It's so nice to meet you. She gives me a hug, and then she just looks at me and my face and says, what are you, the Loch Ness Monster, <laughs> and that is how we met, right? I did probably my favorite interview of all time with her then. It was supposed to be just like this 15-minute little chat. The interview ended up being over an hour long. She then brought me on this crazy, like, Thelma and Louise um, kind of style tour all over L.A. Oh, we spent the whole day together, and then she kept saying, look, I need to get your face sorted. Not plastic surgery-wise, just your... Oh, you had an abscess. I didn't know at the time. It was like a really big abscess in my tooth. So she said, there's only one man that can sort this out. And it was Dr. Bill Dorfman. So she brings me to you. I'll never forget that on my form, you know the way it says who referred you to Dr. Bill? I've like funnily enough written Janice Dickinson for this. So that is how we met Dr. Bill and have been best, best friends ever since. And my favorite thing is not only did we fix that, yeah. but then we gave you like an American smile and we always joke and say Alan you have the nicest teeth in all of Ireland I do Dr. Bill high five <laughs> you can I just say look at this smile can it's I just awesome. say these are my own teeth may I add yeah it's yeah it's just well, that you made them look a lot nicer we had to move them around a little just bit just a little, shape nice, a little bit but yeah I mean we shaped you up okay so how did you get into journalism so when I was a kid in school, I always loved writing. You know, I used to love writing little stories and all this kind of stuff. But you were very shy. I was really shy. That's why I think I liked writing. I could kind of create my own world. I didn't have to talk to people. Even when I was in school and they might give you, like, some homework, it'd be like, you know, go and write, like, a little piece. I'd come in with this ridiculously lavish piece with all these in-depth characters. So writing was always something I loved. So I wanted to go to college and be a journalist. Definitely behind the scenes, the writing side, not the in front of the camera or in front of a microphone. So when I got to college, a radio was part of my course. I'm presenting in general was part of my course. And I kind of kept getting pushed into that side and they kept saying, oh, Alan, you've like a good voice for this. And I was like, no, this isn't what I want to do. I just want to be a journalist. I want to be a writer. And everything we did, they kept putting me as the host. And then I remember I used to hate the sound of my voice so much. And they kept telling me, no, you've got a good voice for radio 
So I was one month before finishing college. Wait, it's better than when they say you have a good oh my, look for I radio. I get told that all the time. <laughs> the amount of times I've been told you've got a good face for radio over the last two decades. It's no, so you're annoying. such a handsome man. Oh, cheers, Dr. Bell. <laughs> so about a month before I finished college, I got offered a radio job in Galway which was the, I was in college in Dublin. So in the other In Galway, exactly, for all the people <laughs> watching this that are thinking, what is he talking about? So Dublin is on the East Coast. I got offered a job on the West Coast, we'll call it, okay? In Galway, a little radio show. And I said, yeah, I'll do this for maybe a year. And 18 years later, it took me to finally go, I quit. So that's how I got into radio, very accidentally. But we had a lot of fun, remember when we did our own show? We did this amazing <laughs> radio slot, wait for this. It was like a gossip slot, right, where Bill will come on the show and chat about all the biggest celebrity gossip. But instead of calling it the whole truth, we called it the whole tooth, get it? Still probably the best radio show name of all time, Dr. Bell. We had so much fun on the show. It was really fun. And then we would have callers, and the people that were calling in were all of Alan's friends asking the most ridiculous, ridiculous questions. questions. It was so fun, such fun times. So, I mean, what you did for 18 years, though, is really spectacular. And I know there's a lot of students that are interested in that. If you're a student in college right now and you think you'd like to career, you know, a career in, in radio, what kind of advice would you give them? Oh, 100%. First of all, if you're a student in college and don't even think you might want or like a career in radio, if you get the opportunity to give it a shot, do. Because if I didn't, I would never have ended up in radio because it wasn't what I kind of thought I wanted to do as I was a little bit on the shy side. With me, I just think go for everything. Just say, it's funny because later on in this interview, I'll tell you how now my kind of life mantra is say no, not say yes. But I think when you're younger, just say yes to things. Throw yourself in, you know, muck in as we say in Ireland and just go for it. I think people, like I teach my students now, they're so self-conscious. It's very hard to talk into a microphone. It's very hard to talk into a camera. So I always do a lot of exercises with them first to just get over the whole kind of being self-conscious, just get the whole embarrassment factor out of the way. I always throw them into like loads of embarrassing situations first. So then they just don't care being in front of a camera or being in front of a microphone. My main advice though is just go for it and have fun. It's a really, really fun career. Imagine a job where you're not, you know, getting up every day and just doing the exact same thing. Every single show for 18 years was completely different. I got to speak to different people every single day. I got to talk about things that were going on in today's world every single day. So as for that, you get a really cool, different, varied job every day of your life. And you know what? There are so many more opportunities today. I mean, you don't need to be hired by a big radio station. You can produce your own content and put it up on social media. That too. is so true. That's what I always tell my students. So when I finished college, I was 22 years of age. That time, you had to be given a platform, right? You had to get a job in a radio station or on a TV station or in a newspaper on a magazine and as well coming from a country yeah, like well, Ireland. Yeah, well otherwise nobody heard you. No one right. heard you, saw you or you know what I mean or there was no way of making any money. So now you just go make your own platform, you know what I mean, set up your own YouTube channel, become an Instagram blogger or an influencer or set up your own podcast. You can do everything yourself and turn it into a really, really good money spinner as well. That's what I'm always teaching my students. Like, it's such a lucrative career and you, the best part, can be your own 
boss. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you something. It, it's funny because I, I have my favorite producer from Extreme Makeover here watching this. Best show ever. Man. Best yeah, show ever. Terrible message, but <laughs> brilliant show. But here's the thing. You know, I went to dental school. Yeah. I, I wasn't an actor. I, I, yeah. I, so, you know, all of a sudden they take me and put me on this show. Yeah. And I watched the first two or three episodes and I was mortified at how bad I was. <laughs> and so instead of waiting for them to tell me how bad I was and get fired, I took acting classes, hosting yeah. classes, teleprompting classes, and I worked and I worked and I worked. And the thing that I think helped me the most, besides obviously the critiques that you got from your instructors, was just watching myself. Because we are our own biggest enemies, you know, and we'll even see things that probably the instructors didn't see. You know, one of the things I love to teach at LEAP is don't wait for opportunities, make them. Yeah. And number two, when you do get an opportunity, don't take it, master it. Oh, that's amazing. And, you know, being able to be on that show, Extreme Makeover, and learning how to do media was incredibly lucrative for my for my business you know zoom whitening i mean that was yeah. a huge platform that's what i tell as well my students right people think it's always so i teach podcasting media media even and a little bit of journalism but people think it's like oh if you want to be a radio presenter or if you want to have your own podcast it's not you bring those skills into everything so say you've got a business that's nothing to do with media if you are though if you do learn those skills you can go on a radio interview or go on a podcast chat about your business and you know what I mean it'll help so many in so many ways like that it's not about just being a host it just helps you confidence wise and able to sell your product whatever that product is and like you selling zoom totally. now no one can sell a product like you Dr. Bill no <laughs> one will sell it as much like you will sell the absolute hell out of that product which is amazing and that's probably as you said due to your past experience on shows like Extreme Makeover but you know what no matter what you do in life if you want to make money you need to know how to sell. I don't Absolutely. care if, if you're an architect, you could be the most gifted architect in the yep. world. If you can't sit down in a meeting, give a presentation and get people to buy your talent, yeah. you're a star, you know? And it's crazy Definitely. because I see this so much in dentistry. I see these, these men and women that, that we call, it, they have golden hands. They're yeah. just, they're great, great, but zero personality. Yeah. Like they, they don't know how to talk and, re and their practices are, are struggling. Conversely, there's a few that really aren't great dentists, but they're really talkative and personable, and they've got, so I always say, if you have the sizzle and the steak, it's the best combination. 100%, even bringing it back further to like something like a job interview, as I always tell the students as well, it's not always the best person that gets the job. It's who goes into a job interview and sells themselves the best. Totally. You could be incredible at your job and if you can't sell yourself and promote yourself, it's probably not going to end up in a good result. Yeah, and one of the things I tell students, if you're going in for a job interview, practice. You know, 100%. have a friend ask you questions, yeah. set up a little camera and watch yourself and you'll be amazed at how much you learn from yeah. just watching yourself and realizing you know, what you do and don't say and how you come off. Oh, totally, absolutely agree. All right, so you hit 40 and you're like, okay, I've done this for 18 years, now dance? So it's funny, right? I always was in radio, I was going, I don't wanna be an older 
radio host, right? I think it's very much, definitely me, I was in kind of in, you kind of call it chart radio here, do you? Like I was, you know, playing top, our top 40 radio. So I was playing top 40 songs in the radio. I was interviewing like really cool celebrities. I was talking about showbiz gossip. I kind of was going, I don't want to be doing this when I'm like, I'm not going to say any age, Dr. Bill. So I was 39, let me see, 39 and nine months old. And wait, now you're 40? I'm 40 now so since last year. Alan, you're finally older than me. <laughs> Dr. Bill. I knew, do you know what? He ages backwards, which is really, really annoying. He used to be way older than me, and now I bet you I know, now older you're than older you. than me. I don't even it's know how that really, happened. It's really, really annoying. I need to spend more time in LA, and then maybe I'll start aging backwards again. So I just was like a few months for my 40th birthday and I was like, I'm very much like, it might take me a long time to come to a decision, but then when I do, I have to do it straight away. So I was just like, one day I quit. I didn't just quit the radio. I had a lot of other different things. I was a part of in media and I quit them all. Basically on the same day, I just was like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm over this. Can I say best 18 years of my life? I loved every second of it. But then I also got to the stage where I'm done. So I had no plan, no plan whatsoever. I always had my dance school in the, the background, which was great. But then I... Wait, a dance school in Galloway? In Mayo, which is oh, right beside even Galway. bigger than Galway. Even bigger than Galway. <laughs> and better than Galway, may I add as well. All right. Best county in Ireland. So I always had my dance school. But yeah, I just decided I wanted a change before I turned the big 4-0. I took a few months off. I came to LA for a month. And then I went back and I started teaching in college and now it's the best thing I've ever done. The last year in teaching has probably been more fulfilling than the 18 previous years in media. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. While you were in the media world, what would you say was your biggest challenge that you had to overcome? I remember with me in the beginning, it's a bit of a, a cutthroat kind of world. It's very as well like, which is very similar in LA. It's a lot of surface kind of friendships it's nearly about you just like have to get to know someone to see what, you know what I mean, how it can further your career. For me, I'm not that type of person. I like my friends to be like my really good friends. I like really close friendships with really good people. And I'm not able to kind of like BS people too much. So for me, that's definitely what I struggled with. Like when I come to LA here, I just, I'm probably like 500% myself. And then I'm like, if people like that, brilliant. But if they don't, I don't care. So I think I probably could have played, I think in media and journalism and showbiz, you need to play a bit of a game. And I'm not a, I'm not a game player. You so know that's what? probably something I struggled with. The I don't care part is really, I think, indicative of maturing. You know, 100%. When, look at when, 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 when I was in high school, if I woke up with a zit, like, I didn't even want to go to school. You know what I mean? Like, I just knew the whole school was going to be, like, staring. And the crazy thing is nobody even notices you. I know. You know, yeah. like, they're oh, so yeah. concerned with yeah. people looking at them. I heard this, this Russian woman who's a, uh, she was a high fashion model. Now she does stand-up comedy. Oh, wow. She's, like, 6'2", right? Yeah. And she <laughs> says, you know, I stand there and I look at people and people look at me and think, oh, you're really looking down on me, aren't you? She goes, huh, I don't even see you. <laughs> I mean, so it's so true, though, but we're so wrapped up in our own little world. Yeah. And I think it's great that you can get to a point in your life where, like, you really don't care anymore. Yeah. I was the total opposite as well. I always cared about different things. And now the last 
five, six, seven years, I'm just like, I really don't care. Like, great, people like me, brilliant. If they don't, what can I, what can I do about it? I'm not going to do anything about it because I don't care. So that's definitely my kind of life motto at the minute. And what inspired you to write your book? So I had been a showbiz writer for years. I was a showbiz editor of a magazine back in Ireland, and I wrote and contributed to magazines in the UK and America and in Ireland. And then I just had these really good stories of, like, you know, different meetups with celebrities or different interviews. Okay, give me the best one. Different parties that I went Come to. On, some give of us, them. Give us the, be- them, the juiciest one from your book. Some of them with you. So <laughs> before I tell you the juiciest thing, I just thought, especially in Ireland, right? I come from a town where it's a population of fifteen hundred people. Oh, right? you know everybody by their first name. Absolutely, know everybody by their first name. And then want to be a showbiz journalist when you come from a tiny town in Ireland, you have no chance of making that happen. So then I ended up. Oh my God, interviewing people like Paris Hilton and Charlize Theron and Simon Cowell or meeting like Lindsay Lohan and all these people when you come from a tiny Irish town. So I just thought, what a fun book this would be because I should never have been in these scenarios. Like you'd be over in LA and you'd be at like a Golden Globe, actually with you, a Golden Globes after party. Or you know what I mean? You'd be on the red carpet at a Disney movie premiere, you know, at El Capitan Theatre on Hollywood Boulevard or whatever. Like, I should never have been in any of these situations. Or at Wimbledon interviewing Serena Williams or Nadal or whatever. And, like, I just found myself in all these crazy, crazy situations that, like, were just mind-boggling. So I think that's why it kind of... Okay, juiciest one. From the book. Juiciest one. Oh, my gosh. Can I really say some of the juicy yeah, things? go for it. So I'm going to bring you back to Janice Dickinson. Oh, no. <laughs> for this one. I'm sorry. We're going to bring her up again. She literally went through a blow-by-blow account of all the famous men that she oh, slept with over the years. We can And imagine. I mean, there was even measurement details. Oh, my goodness. In the book, right? And every... I don't use bad language. I know I did on this podcast. I don't <laughs> use bad language in my life, really. Every second word out of her mouth was extremely foul. And she told me just stories about the men she was with. She told me stories about how much she dislikes Tyra Banks. The things, so at the time there was, you know what I mean, this is before social media exploded. So she, at the time, it was a real exclusive what she said about Tyra Banks in a terrible way. You would not get away with saying things like this now. You know what I mean? Everything is just much more... All celebrities just say nice things about one another. So that time... Well, not well, Not all, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but... So the, the story went everywhere. I mean, it was in, like, all these American magazines, like, you know, Us Weekly or the National Enquirer. It was in OK Magazine in Australia, what she said about tyre banks. And again, I was back in my little hometown in, in Ballam Robe in County Mayo in Ireland, and my story was, like, literally in every magazine all over the world. And it was wow. all because of Janice Dickinson. And the terrible things she said... It wasn't a good story. No. The quotes were uh, really mean. Yeah, she <clears throat> has that streak. <clears throat> All right, so looking forward, I know you're looking forward to teaching. I know you're still teaching journalism. I know that you love teaching dance and all that. Yeah. What else is going on in Alan's life? Definitely, I'm just, I'm calling myself, which is so funny because I'm still really busy, but before I was so busy, I used to try and plan my, I used to be nearly in January every year trying to plan my days off for the whole entire Year. So I call myself, even though I'm really busy, I'm semi-retired now. So I'm enjoying my retired life. Definitely much more easy on myself. And as you said, what's next for me? Actually, I'm trying to be the opposite. I'm saying no 
to so many things. Do you know what's funny? When you start saying no to things, I've actually got offered more things since I've started saying no than when I used to say yes, which is kind of frustrating But this is in all ways. in the dance world, right? No, in the media world as well, because huh. I used to host a lot of different, you know, it might be like gigs or events or all things. You know things. what? You should just do it every once in a while. Yeah, no, I do. I'll do just different. Just to keep... I'll do different yeah, little things yeah. every so often, but I'm enjoying kind of a semi-retirement vibe at the minute. It's awesome. Yeah, so it's really fun. And if students want to reach out and ask you questions, what's the best way to reach out? Oh, yeah, you? they can get me on Instagram at Alan Murphy Official on Instagram. That's probably the best way, the best right. way to get me. All right, yeah. Alan, thank you so much. We have had... I, we can't even go into all the details, but we have had <laughs> such a great run and have gone to so many great events and parties and whatnot. And I love your smile. Oh, uh, that's because it's your smile <laughs> that you gave to me, Bill. Thank you so much, Bill. All right. Dr. Bill, over and out. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.